everyone, and welcome back to Pretend World's Real People. As always, I'm your very dorky host, Tyler, and I will say right now, I prefer dehydrated beats to regular beats. This is a new thing. This is a thing we're going to start doing. Just an awkward part of the even more awkward opening. It's just like a little cherry on top. I, I feel like it's a fun icebreaker to lay down at the front line of the episode so you know exactly what you're getting into because each episode is different this is a very informal approach to the entertainment interview and it's been a blast so you know what let's uh crank up the awkward and we will keep it going it's been a very busy but wonderful week it is the first day of spring at the time of this recording so i'm super excited to get back into my rollerblades and skate my way up and down the entire front range yes i said those words I'm, I, I told you I was dorky, but anyway, this, this isn't about me. I do want to get into this week's episode because I had a blast chatting with this amazingly talented fella by the name of Shannon McClung. Now, you may recognize him from a myriad of projects he's been a part of, including Brooklyn Nine-Nine, 911, The Goldbergs, The Orville, the newest season of Party Down, and he's a writer for Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City, which I cannot wait to check out. It was just, honestly, it was so much fun chatting with him, getting to hear his story, the fact that he's worked for Universal Studios for years, and hearing how he juggles, you know, his day job with acting and with his podcast and everything else he wants to do with his writing. It was incredibly informative, and I just, I can't say enough about how much fun I had talking to him. So, uh, Shannon, if you're listening to this, I apologize for this crazy intro, and without further ado, everyone, let's sit down, grab your last box of Girl Scout cookies, and let's have a chat with the fantastic Shannon McClung. Hey, my name is Shannon McClung. I'm an actor, a writer, and a podcast co-host. And how in the hell did you decide you wanted to dive right into the entertainment industry? The craziest career you know, prospect anyone could have. How, how did that happen for you? You know, growing up, I grew up in the 80s. Um, and so I always just had a sense of play. Like whenever we were uh, at recess in school, um, you know, I liked I liked playing sports and all the other things, Foursquare and whatnot. Um, but I loved it when we could get a good game of Star Wars going on or a good game of Super Friends. Um, and it wasn't until um, I saw my oldest sister in her junior high play that I thought that that was something I could do. And it was it was so cool seeing someone that I knew on stage and there were lights and there was an audience and they were laughing and she wasn't that good. I'm like, well, I know I can better than that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so after that, um, it was probably in third grade that I did my first kind of school play. And uh, my teacher, I was in an advanced reading class and we had tackled, this is going to show you how advanced it is, Tyler. Uh, we had uh, uh, tackled, it's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. And uh, she was, she had asked us, would you all want to perform this? And we could invite your families and everyone said yes. So when it came time to sort of divvy out the roles, um, everybody wanted to be Snoopy. Um, but only one person could play, you know, could play Snoopy. So my teacher assigned me the role of Linus, which I was not happy about because like, oh, that's the guy who sucks his thumb with the blanket. <laughs> I want to be the dog who sits to sit on the doghouse and pretend it's a 
fighter plane. Um, but it turns out Linus is actually kind of the you know central focus of that story. And the first time performing in front of people and um, hearing laughter, hearing reactions, I mean, it's it's addictive. And I did uh, school plays throughout middle school. And then when I got to high school, I auditioned to be in a, a magnet program for visual and performing arts um, in Orlando, Florida. So I went to I went to the same school as like Wayne Brady and Joey Fatone is actually uh, in the year ahead of me. So it was kids from all over the county who who got to go to this school that had a focus on uh, visual and performing arts. And while I was there, the um, idea of doing this in college came up and my parents who were not showbiz people at all, they're both from a very small town in uh, West Virginia. They were like, yeah, we don't want to do that. I mean, which, you you know, as a parent, you kind of, you understand their point of view. Like you, you want the best for your kids and um, a, a, a career in show business is probably not high on most parents' lists. Um, so I had tried to find a different major while I was kind of also auditioning for uh for uh, theater programs and then neither one really worked out all the programs that i wanted to get into i didn't get into and all the psychology courses that i took were just a flaming fill like oh yeah this is not this is not for me um but i ended up going to florida state uh university in tallahassee and met some great folks was in their sort of ba theater program like they have a very um very successful BFA musical theater program and a BFA acting program, but I didn't audition for those. So I went to their BA theater program, met some fantastic people, um, some of whom I'm still friends with today. Um, and at the same time, I, uh, because I grew up in Orlando, I, uh, I worked for Universal Studios Florida as a performer. And I had auditioned to be in the Terminator 2 3D show um playing John Connor playing the Edward Furlong role and I was 17 at the time so this is what have been senior in high school I was 17 at the time to be in that type of performance you have to be a legal adult because there were stunts involved so right before I went to Florida State I auditioned again and I got it and I explained the situation like hey I'm I'm going up to Florida State and they're like okay well you know we'll we'll train you and then you know you can come back and and you know work and so after my freshman year um, I, I really had a hard time with the acting classes that were that were being given. It was a lot of a lot of heavy method work that wasn't really my style. Like I, I tried, but I was like, ah, this isn't fun. I mean, I got into this because it was fun. And so after my freshman year, I decided to stay in Orlando and work at Universal. And that was the best on the job training in terms of working professionally that I'd ever gotten, um, you know, getting to perform constantly. And, you know, the longer I was there, the more shows they trained me in. And Orlando, at the time, at least, didn't have like a huge film and television uh, scene, but they did have a little bit. So I ended up booking my first independent movie there back in 2002, I think, with uh, Talia Shire and W. Earl Brown from Dunsmore. Uh, or excuse me, from uh, uh, Deadwood. The movie was called Dunsmore. Um, but after that, I ended up going to uh, Japan for two years, uh, living in Osaka, Japan, uh, to work for the Universal Park over there. And the whole plan was, I will take these two years and and save up a bunch of money so that when I move to Los Angeles, I don't have to, 
I don't have to hit the ground worrying about where my next rent check is going to come from. So having sort of like a solid nest egg, getting to work for Universal Hollywood here. Um, so I was able to kind of uh, do it, at, do it at my own pace. Um, money does run out quickly, though. <laughs> So, so I definitely did have to do some, some jobs that I wasn't, you know, crazy about, uh, but you know, flash forward, gosh, it'll be almost, it'll be 20 years in 2015 or no, excuse me, 2025. So thus far, I mean, it's, uh, the, the plan has been, the plan has been working slowly, slowly, but surely it's been working. It sounds like, and and that's a, a crazy journey you went on as well. It's a very uh it's an outlier compared to what people usually do right they usually go to college maybe mm-hmm. and then either go to new york or los angeles and and just try to go for it but i mean you, like you said you had hands-on training hands-on experience with one of the coolest jobs i could imagine <laughs> as an actor you know starting out professionally i'm really interested to know why was la calling you why why didn't you want to go to to new york was there a certain reason why los angeles was the place to go at that point you know, I always, I mean, I always loved doing theater, but there was always just something so magical about uh, movies and TV. I mean, whenever I could get someone from my family or or one of my parents to go see a play with me, you know, you could start the clock. They were going to be asleep <laughs> in about <laughs> 10 minutes um, with the movies. Uh, I guess my parents did fall asleep in those, too, but it took longer. <laughs> um <laughs> There was always just some, there's just something about, you know, sitting in a in a darkened theater in, in front of this, you know, gigantic, gigantic screen and watching these stories play out. Um, I do like New York. I, I've, I've had the opportunity to work there a couple of times. It's also a, a, the type of city that for my the way I'm made, I'm like, this seems like a really hard place to struggle because you've got weather You've got just uh, the type of uh, the type of environment that I wasn't used to, sort of that that, you know, those walking neighborhoods and subways. I mean, L.A., you know, which is, you know, obviously much larger than Orlando. But L.A., the first time I came out to visit, I'm like, oh, this seems familiar. Um, And so and also the weather is very similar. (laughs) Minus the humidity, it's very similar to uh, central Florida, which is which is what I was used to. Which is fair. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, compared to Central Florida, I was born in Tampa. I've only been there a couple of times, but is that uh, right? Well, each time going down, man, I I live in Colorado now. I I want the dry heat. I can't do this. (laughs) It's too much. (laughs) Whenever I would fly, like I got used to, I, you know, became, you know, acclimatized to, to the West coast. And whenever I fly home to, to visit my family, um, as soon as the cabin depressurizes, my hair falls down and my pores open up (laughs) because the climate is like, I, I, I mean, I don't know how I dealt with it. It for you know over twenty years that the moment you step outside your back is immediately just drenched with sweats. <laughs> that was uh it was a very real fear of mine, ever having to live there and then say go on a date, because the last thing you want to do is sweat right. <laughs> just imagining five different changes of of a top before you go and just it it yeah it freaked me out for a, a good long while but. Uh, going back to you after that weird tangent, sorry, the coffee is really <laughs> kicking in today. Uh, while you were growing up, I mean, you were really into per- the performing part of it, you know, essentially like 
creating stories and acting those stories out. And, you know, you said you love Star Wars and, and just having that love for for pop culture and cinema and entertainment. Did you have anybody you you looked up to not to idolize, not to model after, but, you know, outside of your family looking at maybe, say, a, a certain performer or a certain director or writer and saying, I want to do what they do. Was there anybody that that stuck out during those times? Well, I, again, being the Star Wars and Indiana Jones fan, I mean, Harrison Ford was the guy that, you know, whenever he would come on screen, it was just he was just magnetic and he just played the coolest characters. Um, but it wasn't until I saw Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future, because I had also watched Family Ties, which is the sitcom he was on in the 80s, that it occurred to me I, I had trouble separating the role from the person. And it was when I saw Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future that I'm like, oh, that's not Alex P. Keaton. And that's not Michael J. Fox, who I've seen on, you know, talk shows. I'm like, that's a different guy. And so, uh, you know, obviously Han Solo and Indiana Jones, they're different guys, but it's, that's Harrison Ford. <laughs> um, with Michael J. Fox, that was the first time I saw the the distinct two different personalities. And for for a, for a young person, I mean, that was the first time that it that, that it clued into me that oh this is this is something he's doing deliberately like it, it just it was just fascinating to me um and then a, a, a performer that really really just um his performance has always stayed with me was uh, Andre Brower in Glory like we had watched that film in a history class and obviously in a in a in a film filled with award-winning performances you know Denzel Washington won the uh, Oscar I believe for best supporting actor Andre Brower's character always his journey was just so fascinating to to watch where he began and where he ended and just in terms of the craft I'm like I want to be able to do that that's awesome and you know what Glory's a movie I haven't revisited much mm. But you're just you you lit a fire underneath me. I need to watch it again right away because you're you're exactly right. And I do want to go back to, you know, you moved to Los Angeles, you've had all all this experience, and then you have these very talented people you've, you know, you've watched over the years. What was your your first goal upon moving to Los Angeles? I mean, per, as far as performance goes, what was the first thing on your list you wanted to accomplish once you got there? Um, not have, not to have to move back to Orlando. <laughs> that, that was, that was number one. But, um, you know, I came out a lot, a lot of my uh, friends from Florida state had, had moved out here and the majority of them, uh, stopped acting. And because they, that's something I think when you move to Los Angeles, you might have the initial, you know, impulse that you want to be an actor, but when you when you're surrounded by the business, um, you see all of the other things that go into it, hmm. and you and a lot of folks find things that they love more. Which you know at the time, like it, it seems impossible at, for a young actor. Like no, 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 I have to, I have to go be a, a you know movie star. Um, when you see everything that goes into making a production, most of my friends found things that they liked doing better. So I didn't. I came out probably fairly ignorant. <laughs> um, I had a couple of friends that had told me, like, here are the websites you need to sign up for, like Actors Access and you know, Casting Networks and stuff like that. 
Um, and then like, and then you need to get a commercial agent. And I'm kind of like, well, okay, but what about movies and TV? Like, yeah, that's not the way it works. <laughs> like, there's there there's there's a process to this. And so the first uh, first objective was to get a commercial agent, which I got super lucky that I had submitted myself um, for some commercial on casting networks and the casting director who I'll never forgive myself for forgetting her name. Um, but she held me afterwards and she was like, I see you don't have an agent. And I was like, no, I don't. I mean, I've done sort of the, uh, the obligatory things you have to do, which is do it back then you used to do a big mailing. And I'm like, I haven't, you know, heard anything back. And she's like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the name of someone and I'm going to call him. And I want you to make an, make an appointment with him. And so I met this, met this guy, uh, this agent and he was like, well, if she says you're good, I'll believe her. And he signed me. And so just got super, super lucky that I was in front of the right person at the right time. Um, unfortunately, I never booked a commercial. <laughs> I ended up uh, meeting a couple of casting directors. And I ended up the first television series that I booked out here was uh, House back in 2007. And it was for the season premiere. And so I booked this television show and it wasn't a, a large part, but it was an emotional part. So when it came out, um, I, I had a nice big emotional close up where it looked like I was on the cusp of crying. Like, is he about to cry? Is he going to cry? Um, and from that, from, you know, casting directors seeing that I started to get called in a little bit more and they were calling my commercial agents. And he's like, you know, I have no problem doing this for you. He's like, but you should probably try to find a theatrical agent. And I was like, well, that makes sense. <laughs> and so using that, like I had spoken with a friend who uh, who had forwarded my name onto his agent. So I met with I met with his agent, his theatrical agent. And the agent was just like, yeah, I'm I'm on board. I saw your scene on house. It was really good. Uh, it's like the only deal is I only take people people across the board and I don't know how much your audience knows but across the boards means they they represent you theatrically and commercially so you can't have two commercial agents so then I had to go back to the original guy who took who took a chance on me and was like hey sorry I I, I seem to be having a little more success on this side so it seems like I should I should go with I should go with this agent and he was you know very understanding he's like yeah I understand like that's if that's where your passion is that's where your career is taking you then you know go for it and then right after that is when the writer strike of 2000 2008 2007 2008 hit oh, and God. so yeah it was it was so frustrating because on the on the on the heels of that of that show coming out it it, it aired in like would have been like September um I started to get like these very nice auditions and then when the writer strike hit, I mean, the town shut down for four months, four or five months, maybe um, coming back, only having one credit, like, you know, people, people can become fans, but they can also have short memories. So it was sort of like starting over, like all the way over again. Um, but yeah, that was the first goal was to be like, can I can I get on TV? Like, let's see. Like, I, I knew so many people that I'd worked with in Orlando who came out here and, and weren't able to do it. And I had, you know, people that I worked with again in Orlando who kind of discouraged the idea, like unless you have really strong connections, like it's it's nearly impossible. And so booking that first job was like, OK, this is hard. This is not impossible. And it's a totally surreal experience, you know, having your 
your first uh, TV credit, especially, you know, like you said, you had a, you had a close up, you had an emotional scene. I've had a like the first few credits I had it was it was counting or you know maybe mumbling something off screen, but it's never been anything you know that that pertinent to the scene. So I do want to ask you what that was like for you, hopping you know on set. You're on House, one of the best shows <laughs> ever written, ever made, and you are meant to deliver this scene. Where was your mind at? How did you? If you had any nerves, how did you calm yourself down? I mean. What was that experience like for you? Because that's always really crazy first time around. Um, a little overwhelming uh, because going on, like I'd been on lots before to audition, but you know, when you generally, when you are working on a show, like you find the the production assistant, like they, they kind of give you some direction, like, Hey, this is where we are. You're going to meet here. And at that point, a production assistant kind of held me by the hand being like, all right, now we got to go here. No, we got to go here. No, we got to go here. Cause I had said, I've never done this before. <laughs> like, so <laughs> if I if I'm messing something up, please please correct me. So uh, again, a very nice PA who who took me to makeup, took me to all the things, and it, the role it was two different scenes. There was one where he he thinks his girlfriend has has died in a, in a building collapse, and he's sort of mourning, and that's where he has a an interaction with Doctor House. And then the second scene is him discovering that she's not she's not dead. Like she's actually in this full body cast and she's so kind of mangled from a building falling on her. Like he, he no one recognized her. So we started with that one. <laughs> 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 and I was just kind of, again, just overwhelmed, taking everything in. And the makeup artist was, you know, you know, putting everything on me. And she had actually gotten the scenes reversed. So she's like, hey, so you've been up for, you know, uh, 72 hours you're 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 kind of you're gonna look like hell you've probably been crying and so i can't see what she's doing she's just doing you know doing all this stuff and then i look and i see how tragic <laughs> i appear and i immediately my my eyes just welled up and i'm like oh okay so that's that's how you do it all right great <laughs> and then she had then she realized like oh no we're starting with the end so she took all that stuff off put just you know regular makeup on and then walking in it it uh, uh, Hugh Laurie wasn't there yet. Like the the second scene is just myself and and the the uh, the other actor, and so just walking in, it, it just overwhelmed. I mean, so excited, like all of these you know nerves, but still just kind of so so grateful to be there because it was just sort of like the embodiment of like, oh, okay, this it's hard, it's not impossible. And I remember at one point, uh. I, I was smiling a little too big after seeing that she's she's alive. And the director, um, a guy named Darren Serafian, who really, really nice guy. I can hear him. He's like, all right, Shannon, smiling, smile too much, too much. <laughs> and uh, afterwards, he had he had uh, he had said, like, hey, so, yes, he's like, you're 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 happy to see her. He's like, but you can't you, you can't go full, you know, Colgate. And then I explained, I'm like, yeah, sorry. This is my first thing. He's like, you know what? You're doing great. Let's do it again. And then we got it in a couple of shots. And then doing that first scene, uh, the, the uh, AD, one of the ADs had told me after we finished the first uh, scene, uh, he's like, okay, so your next scene is literally the last scene of the day. Um, 
flash forward 12 hours later, <laughs> um, getting to meet Hugh Laurie and again, having that difficulty of separating the person from, from the role. I'm like, this guy just looks intimidating. And, and like he spoke in his American accent the whole time. He never dropped it. He ended up being just a lovely guy. Um, but yeah, just getting to, getting to share dialogue with him, with someone that I had only seen on the screen. It was, it was, it was fantastic. Oh, I get that's such an amazing, like big first credit to have that. That just, and it's a fantastic story too. I, I've never worked on a lot, but I can only imagine, you know, the concentrated chaos as opposed to shooting on location, you know, where things are kind of disbanded. <laughs> it's just a lot. But then, you know, you said strike happens. You have one credit. It's kind of like starting over from ground zero. Yeah. This is usually the time where, you know, doubts start to creep in or maybe you start to look for, a backup plan. Did you have a backup plan in order or were you focused on, no, this is what I want to do. I'm not going to, you know, become an accountant. I'm, I'm going to focus on this. I mean, I had told my father many times that if this show biz thing doesn't work out, I'm going to be in trouble. Huh? <laughs> I have no other marketable skills. <laughs> um, no, I mean, my friends, the friends that I had made here who ha had been, you know, at it for a while had said like, look, this, this is crappy that everything is shut down. It's going to be resolved. It's 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 going to come back. And luckily, because I did have the job at Universal, um, I was still actively performing. And while we were here, I mean, there were still acting classes going on. There were still things. There were ways to exercise your craft. Um, but no, I never had I never had the the inclination to think of like what what's what's my backup plan i mean my 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 pseudo backup plan was the fact that i like to write and i luckily have some friends who who were writers as well and i was able to start doing that a few years ago um and another one of those things that i'm like i had no idea i was going to enjoy this as as much as i do but in terms of a backup plan no i mean this was kind of it i mean i knew worst come to worst I can always go home. Like I can always, my, my mother would be thrilled <laughs> even now if, if I would come home. Um, and because I do enjoy performing at Universal, I'm like, you know, Universal ain't going anywhere in, <laughs> in Orlando. And uh, luckily, you know, there are roles of varying ages. So again, worst come to worst, I can always go back and, and make a living. But uh in reality, no, like this was, this was it. This was the decision. It, you know what? I do want to dive into the the writing portion of it. When that occurred, when you realized that, you know, you could dive into writing and work with a group of people, what, what was that experience like for you? Did you guys just tackle into uh, essentially, you know, brainstorming a, a hypothetical screenplay? Were you looking at making your own content? Like, where did that lead you? That's really cool. Uh, a friend of mine back in Orlando, we had come up with this idea. Uh, my my group of friends in Orlando, we always talked about, we loved going to movies, we loved uh, television, and we just loved being like, well, this movie was good. What if they did this? What if they did that? And he and I had come up with this concept that we thought was just the funniest thing. And while I was in Japan, a friend of mine bought me Final Draft, which is a screenwriting program. It's the one that a lot of, a lot of folks use. Um, and finally seeing how something is already kind of formatted for you and how you have your settings and, you know, it, it's this key for action, this key for dialogue, this key uh, for, for a character. Um, actually having those those tools 
um, really kind of solidify like, oh, okay, this is again, it, it seems impossible, but but it's it's not. And I remember I wrote a first draft, sent it to my friend who couldn't believe that I was able to write almost an entire script. And he's like, well, I feel like you don't really need me anymore. <laughs> but then the two of us collaborated and we were able to um, to get it to a place that we were really happy with. And some of my friends who were writers out here, they started off as executives, development executives. So we sent the script to them and they gave us some notes, but they're like, yeah, this is good. Like you, you guys can write. I mean, we have no formal training. Our formal training is going to the movies. And I ended up getting hooked up with a uh, manager and he took the script out and it got for, for a couple of guys who had no idea what they were doing. Um, it got a pretty good response and we had signed a deal with one producer to kind of develop it. It didn't go anywhere. Um, a lesson that I did learn in writing is you always want to have more, more than one idea because we got to go on all these meetings where uh, I'm sure you've probably heard of like the water and couch tour. Um, so we would sit down and be like, guys, we read the script. We loved it. What else you got? <laughs> and my friend and I kind of looked at each other like, ah, and so we found out after our first meeting, like, okay, have BS something like we have to have something. So we had written a couple more, a couple more features. And then, uh, the acting part started to take off. So that kind of fell by the wayside. Mm -hmm. My friend, unfortunately, uh, fell ill and was not able to, um, not able to write the way that he used to. And then w right when acting started to slow down a little bit, a friend of mine was running an animated series. A lot of my friends write in animation. Um, a friend of mine was running an animated series and we had had lunch because we hadn't seen each other in a while. And he's like, he's like, I remember reading that, that uh, feature that you had written. He's like, it was really good. He's like, do you, have you ever thought about writing for animation? And it was it was the perfect um, environment to fail in because it was a it was a friend who was the boss, essentially. And his number two was also a friend. And they're like, we're going to take you through this and then you can see if you like it. And, uh, you know, I wrote an outline, wrote a first draft. Um, months later, I got to see the final product, which bared no resemblance <laughs> to what I had written, but they were just like, look, this happens. Like this is, this is no reflection on your ability. Like, but you know, when, when you're, when you're writing a show, other factors come into play, studios giving notes, networks giving notes. And from there I decided like, okay, let me see if I can write a couple of spec scripts, which is essentially just a, uh, a an episode of a show that, that is already on. So I wrote a couple of spec scripts, the same friend who had hired me the first time, I sent him that script. He was working for a bigger studio at this time, so they needed to see something. So he sent this. I think I wrote a, it was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle spec. He sent it into them. They're like, "Yeah, we'll we'll give him a shot." So I got one script, which turned into two, which turned into three, which turned into four, which turned into me being pretty involved in creatively on season two of the series. And then a few years went by, and another friend, Mike Vogel, who's one of the one of the other geek buddies. Um, he had, had signed a deal with a studio and he had, uh, was working on a property, was working on strawberry shortcake and he was, he would send me stuff. And I never thought like, you know, I'm 44 years old. I'm a dude. I never <laughs> thought I'd be writing on the strawberry shortcake, but his approach was so funny that it was like watching a sitcom. And so he, he would send me stuff like, Hey, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And then he asked me, he's like, would you want to give this a shot? And I'm like, are you sure, man? Because I don't. And he's just like, no, he's like, trust me, you're going to be fine. And then that turned into 
one episode turned into two, turned into three, turned into four, turned into a few seasons now on on the show. So I've been across the board, acting and writing have been so supremely blessed and lucky that uh, the folks in my the folks in my life, people in my circle have been able to uh, give me a helping hand when I needed it. Wow. I And I had no idea about that. So now you're making me want to watch Strawberry Shortcake. <laughs> and I'm going to have to explain that to so many people initially until they realize how great I'm sure it is. Uh, no, that that's awesome, man. Because I, I do want to know, you know, you are writing, you're you're acting, and you've been working pretty consistently. But what keeps you creatively or spiritually uh, satiated outside of the industry? You know, when you're not writing, when you're offset, and you're not doing self tapes. What what makes you happy? What do you like to do? I mean, I I, I like my wife. My wife, my wife is a, she's a, she's a great lady. She's incredibly patient. Um, like just this morning, um, I'm working on a new project and it, I, I wrote the first page and a half of an outline <laughs> and just struggled with it. It was just torturous. And so I asked her, I'm like, Hey, will you read this? And she read it and, and she will give me her unvarnished thoughts at all time. And she'd be like, well, who's the audience for this? Why would you use this word? What about this? What about this? I mean, she's she's supportive, but she she's not blindly supportive. Like she she very much will ask questions and offer opinions. Oh, well, that that's fantastic, especially, you know, somebody you're with or even family. You know, sometimes you give them something. Oh, it's perfect. We love it. Yeah, but I want you to rip it apart and help me grow. <laughs> to, I'm going to disagree. Me. I'm going to yeah. tell you you're wrong, but I need to hear it. <laughs> I may have. Slight tears, but I will walk away before they start pouring. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> no, that's that's fantastic. I love that you have that support, too. And someone who is, like you said, unbiased and willing to give you criticisms to make that better as well. Um, as we, because I know I'm getting closer on time here. I do want to know if you have a, uh, a party story you could share with our listeners. So something that has occurred during your experience performing, you know, during your fantastic career that uh, stands out so immensely, you could easily recant it amongst friends at a party. It could be funny. It could be tragic. It could be horrific. Uh, it's usually funny just to give you a, a baseline. <laughs> but, uh, if you have a, a story you could share with our listeners. Uh, well, it was tragic in the moment, um, but but it's, it's funny now. Um, I had read for uh, Teen Wolf, the MTV series. And the sides that I had gotten were from a previous episode. So like the role is going to be this. The, this isn't the role. And it was, you know, four, four, five, six lines, something like that. Maybe about a page and had a good audition, found out the next day that I had that I had gotten the job. And I remember it was on Friday and they're like, hey, so we don't have a script yet, but you're going to work on Monday. Call time's going to be like 8 a.m. I'm like, OK, great. So Friday night goes by. No script. Saturday goes by, no script. So it's it's Sunday, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, I mean, they they know what they're doing, and, and I'm like, it can't, it can't, it has to be somewhat comparable to what I to the the scene that I auditioned with, and what came in it was for a police dispatcher. What came in was about a three and a half page scene that the majority was uh, police calls. I mean, there was like, you know, stuff happening all over. And it's like, you know, unit this, unit that. And, you know, generally, you know, memorization as actors is something we have to 
learn to do. And, and if you can do it quickly, that helps. And, and I've got a pretty good brain for memorization, but it's also you, you're kind of relying on understanding either the um, narrative arc of the scene or the conversational arc of the scene. Just be like, okay, this is feels like this is where this should go. Now, for someone who is uh, uh, completely ignorant to how uh, <laughs> police protocol works, I'm I'm reading this and I am terrified. So I'm I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm reading, and I'm like, okay, I think I think I got it. So I show up the next day, um, the actor who was playing the sheriff, whose name is escaping me right now, I want to say Landon something. He played Johnny Cage in the 1995 Mortal Kombat. Um, really, really nice guy. So as uh, we're getting in the van to go to set, um, I, I've got my sides and he's looking at the sides. He's like, oh, hey, by the way, I'm, I'm Landon. I'm like, hey, Landon, I'm Shannon. And he's like, so you're the, you're the dispatcher? I'm like, yeah. He looks at it and goes, hmm. But I don't have to do this. And I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Like, we're all acknowledging that this is this is really, really hard, <laughs> that this is not easy. <laughs> so we go down to shoot. And basically, I'm at like a big a big desk and I've got my, you know, my mic. And the director says, hey, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to have you see that you're going to be doing your things. Um, he's like, we're going to have a camera that's going to be kind of circling around you. It's a very active, frenetic shot. I'm like, okay, that's like, that's new. I've not done that before. So we're doing the dialogue. The camera's going around, going around. We get to the end, like, all right, we're going to try something else. Um, whenever the camera is here, he's like, always have your face here. When the camera's over here, try to move your face over here. I'm like, okay, great. So we do it again. And I'm kind of like, all right, this is hard. <laughs> and we, we finish. And he's like, you know what? We're going to add one more thing. He's like, halfway through, we're going to have you get up. So you're going to start, you know, you, you, the, the the intensity of the moment, you have to stand as you're as you're giving out these police calls. I'm like, OK, OK. So we do it again. And I'm sitting in like a, a rolly stool. So to to get out of a rolly stool and not have it get in the cameraman's way is is a challenge. So we're going to oh, cut, cut, cut. All right, Shannon, when you stand up, don't don't kick the stool back like you kind of just have to stand up gently. Kind of like, OK, OK. So then we get a couple shots of this and I'm thinking, okay, I got it. We get to whatever take it is. And I reach this one particularly wordy part of the script and I flub it. And it's not the type of situation where you can say, sorry, let me pick that up because there's just so many moving parts. So we do it again, get to that same spot. I flub it. And now I'm, it's, it's that moment of like, okay, you know, uh, if I have to die, now's the time because I, I'm feeling so terrible about myself. And the director comes over and he was an Australian guy who had a very kind of mumbly quality to his voice. He's like, Shanna, you, you, you okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, sorry. It's just, it, it's a lot. And then as he goes back to the monitor, the awesome camera, cameraman leaned over and he's like, hey man, he's like, if you want to set your sides right about here, he's like, I can't see them. And I'm like, Thank goodness. So we do it. Uh, we're able to get through the scene. I'm not feeling great about it, but it was like, okay, you made it out in one piece. And, you know, you know, having having been on set, I mean, the 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 things that we see at home, like when some it's someone's last day, like, ladies and gentlemen, that's a that's a wrap on uh, Tyler LaRocca. Yeah, you know, that doesn't happen with someone who's been there for three hours. So everyone is just kind of gone. They, you know, they are smoke. They are, they are vapor in the wind. 
and I'm not feeling awesome. And then I, again, I can't believe I can't not remembering his name. Landon, I think was just kind of like, Hey, you know, good to work with you, Shannon. I'm like, Hey, thanks. And he could tell that I was not feeling great about it. And he grabbed me by the shoulder and he went, look, what you had to do. He's like, that was not easy. He's like, I, I know how you're feeling. He's like, it's going to look great. And he's like, and I bet we're going to see you again. And I was like, okay, thanks. So that, you know, that made me feel a little bit better. Watching the show, the take where I looked down, no one else can see it, but I can see it. Like the take that I looked down to get my place in the sides makes it into the cut. And then they end up uh, penning me for a couple more episodes. Like it never worked out. Like it all, the role always got written out at the last second. One that they actually ended up paying me for the shoot. Um, but it was like, okay, you know, that was, he was right. It, it, it worked out. Okay. However, however terrible I was feeling in the moment, it wasn't actually that bad. So not bad that the mistake is in the cut. That it added to your performance. <laughs> <laughs> it looked, it looked like a choice. It was really yeah. me trying to find my place. Like, Oh, he's really into it. I think he's really, he looks really worried. Yeah. <laughs> I <to> do that. <laughs> that's, that's all. And you know, you had verbal affirmation by Johnny Cage himself. So that's fantastic. Uh, yeah, I, I was waiting for him to finish me. I do. I have to. <laughs> got flashes of every single finishing move from the last 25 years. <laughs> uh, what just for my own, you know, research sake, which episode was that? Because now I have to go look it up. Uh, I want to say it was season. You know, what? I've got my phone right here. I can I can look it up here real quick. Um <laughs> Mm-hmm. And it was also the first time that my uh, my I was in the opening credits. Uh, my my credit was in the opening credits, which that was a new that was a new thing for me. That was pretty big. Oh no way! Oh okay, I found it. Season five, episode ten. Dispatcher Season five, Patterson. Episode Dispatcher oh, Patterson. Yeah, <laughs> I'm totally looking that up. That's awesome. Uh, well, I mean, with with that and with that experience you had, now would be a great time to ask. Do you have any advice you could pass on to our listeners, whether it's somebody who's starting out right now pursuing their acting career or somebody who has been in it for a while and is just trying to stick it out and, you know, keep going for that next self tape, that next audition. Do you have any advice that you've sort of hung on to that you could uh, like almost explore, express to our listeners? Well, two, actually. So uh, this casting director who I'm I'm friendly with named G G Charles Wright, he who has cast me a couple of times, he's a sitcom casting director. Um, he had said something to me, said something to me one time that I found so helpful going in into the audition process. He's like, when you go in the room, don't audition for the job, do the job. Like, it, keep it in your keep it keep the control on your side. He's like, don't go in there asking for a job. Go in there and let them know this is what you get when you get me. And that put me at ease to a degree that I have never, I've never been able to, to replicate. I mean, for, for three seasons, that's, or three, uh, three years, rather. I just would say that every time, like, you know, don't, don't ask for the job, do the job. Don't audition for the job, do the job. Um, and in terms of sticking it out, I mean, this is the type of thing that you have to love. You have to love it um, because otherwise, if you're if you're doing it and you don't, when you hit those lean times, which every performer does, like it's it's a it's a mathematical certainty. Um, the love is what sustains you in those lean times. And you have to remember that if you don't book a role, 
it's not casting or the producers or you know the the showbiz gods pointing their finger at you saying we don't want you it's not that it's it's just someone else's time you know you're gonna get you're gonna get what you're supposed to get and I think as actors, you know, we're, we're, we're emotional basket cases from time to time. Um, I think there, you know, we, we take things very, very personally. And if if you want to take it personally, you have to take it personally with the victories as well. <laughs> like this, <laughs> this was your time, but it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's a job and it's a job that you, you have to love to keep going. Um, but also if you, if you're in LA, if you're in New York, if you're in Atlanta, um, Anywhere else where they shoot, New Mexico, Texas, Colorado, um, don't let it be your entire personality. Don't let don't let it be the thing that you identify that that people identify with you. Like live a full life, you know, because at some point, like this, it will end. Like, and you want those things that do mean so much to you, like family, friends. That's the thing that you that you know that you want to be remembered with. Because as as awesome as this line of work is, when we get to work, um, it's it it can go away, and you know you just want to hold on to those things that that aren't going to like your family and your friends. Absolutely, I feel like we've learned that even more so in the last three years, <laughs> especially twenty twenty. Uh, <laughs> no, I thank you for that. I, I appreciate both of those pieces of advice. And with that, as we wrap up. I want to know, do you have anything that I can give a shout out to or promote within the episode notes? Uh, yeah. So I was just on the season premiere of Party Down on Stars. Um, they're, you know, they came back for a third season 12 years later. Um, the show that I wrote for, uh, Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City, seasons one and two are uh, are both on Netflix. And I wrote a good chunk of some of those episodes. And obviously, I'm biased, but I think the show is is very, very funny. I mean, obviously, we're, we're making it for, for a younger audience. But um, there are jokes in there that make me laugh every time. That's all. See, you're just selling me on strawberry shortcake, man. I don't know what else to do. I was <laughs> going to watch a uh, rewatch Breaking Bad. But now I think it's gonna be strawberry shortcake. I'm gonna I, I gotta do it. I need something. Well, different. Strawberry shortcakes. The episodes are four and a half minutes, so you will definitely get through it quicker. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> uh, I do want to say before we wrap up and I end this recording that I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your, like I said, your Sunday to sit down and, and talk about yourself, something that I think is hard for anybody to talk about. Uh, but sharing your story, it's it's really, really appreciated. And thank you so much for your time. I Tyler, thank you. This this has been this has been a lot of fun. And also as someone who is a fan of the movie Wind River, I see you. Oh, how dare you, sir? <laughs> <laughs> that has never happened. So thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, you can't see it, but behind me is my manifestation of hopefully starring in a Rocketeer reboot. Uh, so fingers crossed for that. You oh, mean no. what you this mean? Rocketeer? Oh, buddy. <laughs> I, I've i been hiding. I have a whole <laughs> like Rocketeer plethora on my bookshelf. And yeah, just so much, so much. I'll just I'll have to talk to you later about that. But oh, my God, <laughs> I feel so seen. Uh, I do have one thing we do before we end each recording, and that is what I like to call an awkward goodbye. Uh, okay. Have you ever seen the movie Wayne's World? I have. OK, remember the scene where uh, Wayne leaves because Rob Lowe has screwed over their production and Garth is left to his own devices in front of that blue screen, just mumbling nonsense and really scared. 
yes 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 the cool nuts (laughs) yes i do remember the scene that that is the origin point for the end of the show all i'll do is i'll give you a a silent three two one cameraman and then i'll point when i point to you give me your best verbal awkward goodbye and i'll stop the recording from there sound good okay all right all right buddy (laughs) here we go in 